Thank you for tuning into the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. It's March 2018, and you're listening to Episode 63 of Postmodern Realities, and I'm Melanie Cogdill, Managing Editor of the Christian Research Journal. On this episode, I'm joined by Eric C. Redman, who is Assistant Professor of Bible at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, and he also serves as Associate Pastor of Adult Ministries at Calvary Memorial Church in Oak Park, Illinois, and he's also currently a Ph.D. candidate. Eric has written a film review about Black Panther called The Church Without Claws, a figurative reading of the film Black Panther, which is available free online at our website, equip.org. Eric, it's good to have you on. Thank you, Melanie. It's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me to participate today. So this uh, movie is in the Marvel Universe. So are you a big Marvel movie fan? Melanie, I love Marvel movies. Uh, In our family, we have a tradition to go see them on the eve of the opening day. So, you know, they always list an opening day, usually a Friday. But there are many theaters that will show it on a Thursday evening. We always gather our family and go on the first day, and it's been a long uh, tradition. So I was in the theater packed with people coming to see it on the eve, and I will do the same thing when the next Marvel movie comes out. Well, um, actually, I mean, I was really looking forward to this movie, and we'll talk more about it because I loved it. But I'm not a big Marvel movie fan, and I love, you know, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that. And so I would have to say this probably is ranking as one of my favorites, if not my most favorite Marvel movie. I probably only like a few of them. But how many times have you seen Black Panther? I know on my social media feed, I have just seen so many people have gone back to see it and see it and see it. And I just wanted to tell our listeners, as of this recording, which is March 19, it's made over $1.5 billion at the box office worldwide, and it's been the champ for so many weeks. Number one, it's it's just really just trouncing on any other movie that's opening. So have you seen it a lot? So sadly, I have only seen it two times. I saw it the eve before opening day, and then immediately my wife and I turned around and went out on a date to see it at a matinee on opening day because it was just so good the first night, but because it was so crowded, we were in seats near the front and had to you know, tilt our heads back to see what was going on, and I wanted to see it by sitting further back and get a better glimpse of what was going on. It was even more exciting the second time. And we wanted to go see it again. We just haven't found the time in our schedule, but maybe I'll sneak out tonight and see it. I'm not sure. Well, I definitely want to go back to see it again. And I do want to tell our listeners what the the thing I appreciated about it most, and we're going to get into it, is that more than any other Marvel movie, I just felt like there was more story there. I just felt like there was more backstory. There was more meaning. It wasn't just a whole bunch of, you know, kind of your typical action film aimed at teenage boys. So I felt like there was just more there. Um, in your article, you look for literary clues that point to meaning. And um, 
like the reversal of fictional character roles in Black Panther when compared to real-life social reality. So can you share with us what you said in your article about role reversals and why looking for meaning is important in this film? So let me start with the meaning uh, part. I like to say to um, my students that every movie, just like every TV show and every fictional work in literature has a meaning. The author is intending to communicate an idea. It's just like in uh, the Odyssey, uh, we see Odysseus overcoming challenges like Cyclops and uh, the witch and the wind in the bag, uh, a great classical work of literature by Homer. But Homer was trying to make a message about man's ability to overcome incredible odds in life. But you also see that he needed the help of the gods and he couldn't overcome Poseidon. And so he was trying to say man could overcome all these odds, but he could not overcome the gods. And in you know his polytheistic universe, that was a way of saying man could not overcome God, even though he could overcome everything in this world. And all literature and all movies uh, work that way. And what has happened with our modern movies, and particularly our superhero movies, they're making social commentary on things in society. And I say that when you're looking at both Marvel and DC movies, so many of them have an anti-Christian thrust, not just an anti-religious, but an anti-Christian thrust. And it's important for us to pick that up and see that Hollywood is trying to make a a message that is against um, believers. Well, I don't necessarily uh, think that was the major idea in Black Panther, but I do think that you do see some role reversal in here. So in the movie, the protagonist, T'Challa, lives in Africa. And the antagonist, Killmonger, lives in America. But the issues they raise pertain to contemporary society in the opposite way. And what I mean by that is many would consider African-Americans as Americans to be people of resources and wealth. Uh, Often missionaries encounter the American factor overseas where people assume they are they're all wealthy because that's what American television portrays about us overseas. Um, And. Several African nations, although rich in natural resources, uh, right now are experiencing being war-torn, and some of them have unstable governments, and the assumption or depiction in society is that they're not as well-off as their African-American counterparts. Uh, The movie tried to reverse that by making the African the one with the advanced technology and the wealth and having the one who lived in America to be the one who experienced the great tragedy and trauma and was around was concerned about people who were living in despair or uh, with less. And so I thought it was I thought that was a great thing that the writers did to make that role reversal in order to make a point that they were trying to make toward, I think, African-Americans and the sharing of their resources and wealth. I think that's a really good point that you bring up about meaning in film. I mean, several years ago, we did um, an article in our journal, which is also available free online, and it's about television as the new literature. In other words, film and television is kind of our contemporary literature, and it's full of meaning. And since it's a shared cultural experience, 
We just think it's so important that we cover these movies in our podcast and in our articles because they're just such a great springboard to talk to people, to use as an apologetic tool and to talk to them about Christ. Well, um, some reviewers, you know, this is naturally going to come up that some reviewers of Black Panther have suggested that there are some parallels between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and their visions for African-Americans. And I also want to note that we recently did a cover story on Malcolm X and his theology. And so if you're interested in that, go to equip.org. But do you think that one of the ideas within the movie's message is this parallel, this idea of Martin Luther King Jr. versus Malcolm X and their different vision uh, for African-Americans? I can remember uh, going to church uh, after the opening weekend and a young lady in my congregation running up to me and saying, Pastor Eric, um, I, I saw something in the, the Black Panther movie. I, I think I know what it's about. And I said, what? And she said, it's about Martin's vision versus Malcolm's vision. And I thought that was quite interesting because other reviewers of the movie online have said uh, something similar. And what they're referencing is the fact that uh, T'Challa seems to take a nonviolent approach to the way things should be handled. The issue that uh, Killmonger raises, there are many other people who are of your, who look like you, people of color, who are suffering around the world, and we need to empower them to overcome um, those who are oppressing them, is what uh, Killmonger is is saying. And Tatala says, you know, there's another way that we can do this sort of thing. And he's always looking at the role of peace. So people would depict him as taking Martin Luther King Jr.'s nonviolent approach to the way to bring about change in society. Uh, and then, as I've already, to which I've already alluded, uh, Killmonger's uh, approach is at, let's give our people the the tools and the technology necessary to rise up over the people who are oppressing them, um, and if that means that the people they're oppressing, some of them will be eliminated, um, so be it. And that seems to resonate with ideas that would have come from uh, Malcolm X that not, do not take a nonviolent approach to this. Our people have suffered long enough. Nonviolence is not going to work. We need to do what is necessary in order for our people, not just to reach equality, but for our people actually to rise up and overcome uh, those who are putting them down. So I could see how people could uh, pick that up. I nuanced the the, the movie uh, a little bit uh, differently, though I, I see those themes in there. I don't think that was the major uh, thrust. I, I think there was more emphasis on the resources and uh, sharing them. And so um, on the site where, I, where you have all have posted the article, I mentioned in there the mid-credits clip in which they are at the UN and they offer to share their resources with the world. So T'Challa uh, eventually is not just trying to share the resources with his own people. The movie moves in a direction of saying, hey, let's do something where those people of color who are in power have technology, knowledge, wisdom, et cetera, help to make the whole world better. And I thought that was a great message. 
You're listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is Eric C. Redman, and Eric has written a film review about Black Panther, and it's called The Church Without Claws, a figurative reading of the film Black Panther. And it's available free online at our website, equip.org. To read more cultural apologetics articles like this film review, please subscribe to the journal. A six-issue subscription is now at a new lower price of $33.50. And to subscribe online, visit equip.org. So beyond some of the reviewers who have you know, said that that there are parallels between Martin Luther King Jr. versus Malcolm X's vision for African-Americans, like we were just talking about. Um, There's others that have said that the movie promotes a separationist message. And certainly you've mentioned the antagonist, Killmonger, seems to promote that. Do you think that this movie was Hollywood's attempt to promote that worldview? I have seen some reviews that have said that seems to be the intent, maybe even the impetus behind um, the message. Some very strong reviews that have said um, that. Um, And I, again, could see where you could draw that if you say the movie is is saying that people of color, uh, people of uh, African backgrounds, Africans, Pan-Africans, African-Americans, we need to take care of ourselves or they need to take care of, of, of themselves and do what is, is necessary to rise above uh, the rest of society. And then the movie would seemingly uh, put down everybody else by saying that. Or if you look at the cast and you see that the cast is overwhelmingly uh, African-American and there are only a few non-African-Americans uh, in the movie, it would suggest even by the casting that was the intent uh, that was uh, taking place. But if you look at the movie, uh, here are some other things you see. When you have the scene where there is a, a white character portrayed in the movie as a, a CIA agent, um, the T'Challa does not say, you know, you're absolutely unnecessary and there's no way we can work together. In fact, he starts by saying that he sees an old friend uh, in the room. And then they pull him in as part of their helping. But what they say is, they seem to be saying, uh, if you're going to help in a situation, find the proper place. Don't try to take over uh, when you're trying to help. Uh, Just come along and be a person of service, a partner uh, in the helping. That's not a separatist message. That's a partnering uh, message that takes place. Even though we have a humor scene in there where he is silenced and we make a joke or there's a great joke in there about feeding the CIA agent to uh, the children of the tribal a leader. You don't see that sort of uh, separatist uh, idea carrying its way through the movie. So I think that people are doing that. They're overreading what is taking place and they're trying to l- lay something on Hollywood that certainly would be opposite of what Hollywood has tried to do in our day, where they tried to be as inclusive as possible. And inclusivity uh, almost has no bounds. It only ever stops at the door of Christians. You know, this film is coming uh kind of into the cultural conversation at a time where there's some discussion about um, African-Americans leaving the evangelical church and, you know, repudiating that label, quote, evangelical. In fact, uh, I read that article that was recent in the New York Times just about this very thing. And so given your take on the movie and separatism, do you think that 
the movie is a good starting point for conversations about how African-Americans, you know, were conforming to norms in evangelical white spaces or just to address this issue? Can this movie be a starting place for that? I think it could be a, a starting place. And that uh, assumes that uh, people of non-African-American culture would also go to the movie and enjoy it just just as much. I, I like the fact that you already brought out here that the movie has grossed over $1.5 billion uh, worldwide, and it seems to have um, very wide acceptance and acclaim, whereas uh, often it appears that uh, movies that have primary, primarily African-American cast or are produced by African-Americans, they're, they're not so well attended and received by non-African-American cultures, but, but this uh, has a reception across uh, cultures. So let's uh, assume that we could have some uh, non-African-American evangelicals, white evangelicals in particular, uh, that attended the movie and have African-Americans within uh, their institutions. I think in talking about the movie, they could raise the issue of how African-Americans feel about serving along their non-African-American um, members, or just ask what made the movie so enjoyable to you? Because you as an African-American, you seem really excited um, about the movie beyond the fact that it was just a good Marvel movie. You seem excited about the casting and the directing and the message that it had. Uh, can, can you help me to understand you, how, what does that then say about how you feel about being in a majority white uh, setting, in particular in our church or in our ministry or in our other organization? Um, I think because movies are common and because the Marvel franchise is common and so many are going to see it, it would be a place that people could sit down and have great casual conversations and begin to discuss the hard matters and issues pertaining to uh, race that we might not otherwise know how to bring up, discuss, or even know where there's a common a starting point. So yeah, I think this uh, the movie, if, if someone was really interested in having this discussion, this would be a great way to begin it in a non-threatening, very casual way. You know, I was just at a conference for some leadership women in my denomination, and it was several hundred women there. And there was a panel towards the end of the conference, and there happened to be three African-American pastors, wives, and a bunch of uh, also some um, white women on this panel. And as a matter of fact, one of the African-American women said, if you want to understand that the audience now is majority white and she just said to this audience, if you want to understand how are African-Americans thinking about certain things and understanding your African-American friends, you need to see this movie. And so I thought that was really, I don't know how it came up in the discussion because they weren't really talking about the black movies in general, but she just mentioned that movie in particular. So I think that's a good thing for people to just start thinking about. In the film, um, going back to the film, both King T'Challa and Killmonger were men who lost their fathers. There's some specific 
scenes, specifically with King T'Challa, some kind of flashback scenes where it really emphasizes this. Um, do you think that that is a commentary in the film on fatherlessness in the African-American community in the United States? And should that be something that could spark some conversation on fatherless black boys? Um, I have heard talk about the issue of the fatherlessness of the two um, characters that are in the movie, the two primary characters. Uh, let, let's separate the, the fatherlessness of the two characters, though. Uh, Killmonger, we, we get later in the movie that he is the child of uh, the brother of King uh, T'Chaka, King T'Challa's father. And in, in, in a fortunate uh, event, uh, the king has to kill his own brother, but they don't then grab the child and take him back to Wakanda. They leave him in America fatherless. They don't explain how he's raised. We have to assume that either family took him in or he ended up in a foster care um, uh, adoptive system. Maybe there was something said uh, about that. I have to go see uh, a third time. But we know that he he works very hard and is fueled by anger. He says that much. He has spent his whole life waiting to come and kill King um, T'Challa. And that he works his way through Naval Academy, uh, through uh, MIT, is a, a Navy SEAL. And that he's fueled in this way. So if the movie is saying his anger is fueled by his fatherlessness, it is also showing that his fatherlessness is not something that keeps him down um, from society or, or doing well educationally or being an outstanding military soldier or, or even having much that is needed, not all, but much that is needed to be king or rule a throne. But he is fatherless from childhood. But T'Challa is only fatherless as an adult. That is, he loses his father when once he is fully grown. But the it's very evident in the movie that the father has raised him to be king. And he says in the flashback that he's been training him, that, him for that uh, since he was a child. And they reference his father over and over again and his role. And even in the scenes that are in the afterworld, you can tell that there's a very close-knit relationship between uh, King T'Challa and his father. So he really wasn't fatherless. So there's not so much a thrust on the issue of fatherlessness going through the movie. However, I do think, again, that there are starting points in there, whereas somebody could flip the character of Killmonger and say, but look at what he was able to do, even though he was raised in a home without a father. He went to top schools. He became a top uh, soldier. There, there were character issues that were, were there portrayed in the movie, but that was not an excuse for him to say, I cannot do well or succeed in society. So it might be a great starting point. And... Now, a question would come up is, is there any kind of Christian themes at all in this film? Do you think that, for example, that Black Panther promotes a Christian ideal about how to address suffering of many Pan-African people? 
I do think the idea of lovingly sharing resources, like an idea of if anyone has uh, two coats, you should share with him who has none. I do think you see ideas uh, in there because ideas of sharing your wealth whether rather than hoarding it and sharing your technology rather than just using it to put down others, uh, that would come from a Christian ideal because the world would say, uh, I have mine, you have to get yours, or I'm empowered. No, I'm not going to share mine with you because then you might overcome me. But the idea in the movie is that we should share to better the entire uh, society. And that's coming from a Christian ideal. Now, one thing I did notice in the film was that many uh, there were a lot of positive portrayals of African American women in this in this film. I mean, it wasn't just oh, their mothers, but you know, there were secret agents and they were definitely warriors. They were the military um, fighting uh, force for King T'Challa. They were queens. They were scientists. So, what does the significance of portraying African American women in this way um, have for the church? You know, Melanie, the history of uh, the black church, as you well know, is that it would be what we would label egalitarian uh, from its earliest uh, beginnings. Uh, African-American women had strong and powerful roles uh, in the church and society uh, from the church's uh, beginnings, um, including leadership roles. Uh, They were preachers and evangelists and uh, prophets and some would even uh, say pastors from uh, the very uh, beginning. So this is the the ideas that you see in there of African-American women having uh, very strong roles would resonate well with African-American uh, history. I thought it was very important and very well done that the movie uh, showed African-American women uh, as warriors and picked up an idea of how their strength has greatly um, enhanced or even uh, in some sense been part of the backbone of the success in the movie of uh, Wakanda in guarding its borders and its nations from harm. But but that is a role that uh, African-American women have played uh, in our our community. And I think uh, rightly so, we uh, affirm uh that that role that we have appreciated their strengths and their gifts that they have brought um, to our society and our, our church and to much of the success we have as uh, uh, African Americans and in the African American church without and then I'm putting this in parentheses without you know having any controversy or saying anything about an egalitarian or complementarian position on the role of women in uh, the family and the church. Well, the main point of your article, your movie review, um, is that it seems to portray an African-American and Pan-African world without a church. So explain to our listeners what you mean by that and how African-American Christians should respond to this message. And then also if you can address that some people have brought up, well, it's promoting more, um, you know, traditional religions or ancestor worship or those kinds of things. Uh, so the movie, again, is set primarily in Africa, and so it's going to focus on ancestral uh, religions. And uh, they have in there uh, Zuri, who has, is a 
priestly or priestly or shaman like char- character in the movie. But I'm, I speculate in my article if there is a reversal of roles and the African is playing African American and the African American is playing the African, then I wonder if there's also a role uh, reversal. The entire movie is not making a role reversal. And that would make the religion not one of Africa, but the religion. Uh, that would be the primary religion of African Americans, and that would be the church without question. If that is so, then here's what you see. Zuri gets killed in the movie, is taken off the scene without a burial, and life goes on in Wakanda without any reference to this uh, religious person. When Killmonger goes even into the after uh, world to speak to his father, he does it largely uh, with the help of people who are not identified as religious people, save the one lady who is in uh, the temple. I guess that's what you would call the area there. And he chokes her. He picks her up and chokes her um, to do harm to her. And so the 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 powerful place that African American church or religion would play in the root. Ru- in the movie gets negated by the images that take place towards Zuri. In fact, Zuri originally is a spy and we don't even know how he becomes uh, a priest. So that's what I meant. So do you think that this film is promoting a sort of vision that African-Americans need now for hope? I think there are so many negative images against African-Americans and not just negative portrayals coming from uh, Hollywood or an admittance of negative portrayals of people of color in the past from even a journal like National Geographic, which they published um, in their latest issue to, to apologize for what they have done in the past. But what we also see um, in the news will be the issues related to uh, Black Lives Matter or uh, maybe police brutality against somebody African-American and all these sort of, of images. African-Americans need a movie of this type that says, we're saying something greatly positive about you as a people, and we're going to go against the historical narrative in American history that tries to put African Americans down or say they're not as good as or they're lesser than. And I think it uh, becomes a great source of encouragement uh, that African Americans need uh, in general to say uh, we can be a people uh, who prosper and excel Uh, as much as everyone else in society. And we should think well of ourselves and not think of ourselves uh, as people who are not uh, as as good at or allow others to say uh, that about us. But again, ultimately, I would say the hope uh, of that really needs to be found in Christ. And we need to look not just to this present world, we need to look beyond uh, this present world and say Christ is the one who is our hope and who makes us proper prosper in this life and in the life to come. Well, thanks, Eric, for being a guest on the Postmodern Realities podcast. And now I want to ask you some fun, rapid fire questions. (laughs) So fried chicken or mac and cheese? Fried chicken without question. (laughs) And what's the last photo you took on your phone? The last photo I have on my phone is probably of me wearing brown shoes to church Sunday because I normally wear black dress shoes almost every Sunday. But this Sunday, I wore brown shoes. Mixed it up. So football or basketball? Basketball, without questions. Go Georgetown Hoyas. 
And doing laundry or washing dishes? Doing laundry because you don't have to get your hands uh, messed up and you don't have to give attention to the washer and dryer. And so what kind of music is on your playlist right now? Right now on my playlist, I have the Funkadelics, and I have uh, I have Parliament, and I have Washington D.C. Go Go, and I also I think I have Fred Hammond's uh, latest CD, and a lot of Jonathan McReynolds. That sounds like great. Playlist. I like the parliament. Okay. Well, thanks again for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much, Melanie, for having me. Thank you so much also for what you do at the journal to do cultural apologetics and help us in that endeavor. I encourage uh, your listeners to really uh, get a hold of the journal to subscribe to and read through each issue greatly because I found the articles to be so beneficial uh, to my Christian ministry. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. Eric has written a film review about Black Panther called The Church Without Claws, a figurative reading of the film Black Panther, and it's available free online at our website, equip.org. To read more cultural apologetics articles like this film review, please subscribe to the journal, and a six-issue subscription is now a new lower price of $33.50. To subscribe online, visit equip.org. We'd like to hear from you, so connect with us on social media. Like the Bible Answer Man Facebook page and follow CRI, Christian Research Journal, Hank Hanegraaff, and the Bible Answer Man on Twitter. Follow the Bible Answer Man on Instagram, and please subscribe to the Bible Answer Man channel on YouTube. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Postmodern Realities podcast on iTunes and rate and review our podcast. When you rate and review our podcast, it helps others discover our content. And please share this episode on your social media accounts. Be sure you tune in daily to the Bible Answer Man broadcast, hosted by CRI President Hank Hanegraaff, who answers your questions live on air. To ask Hank a question, call 888-ASK-HANK Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Hank is also regularly streaming live on Facebook and YouTube, so please check Equip.org for dates and times. In addition, head to iTunes and subscribe to Hank Unplugged, Hank's new audio podcast. Follow Hank Off the Grid, where he has in-depth conversations with some of the brightest minds discussing topics you care about. So until our next Christian Research Journal author conversation, thank you for listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast. 